What do you make of the Green Party? Are they friends, rivals, an opportunity or a threat? We're going to discuss this all in this episode of the Lib Dem podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is John Potter. I am the leader of the Preston Lib Dems and hosting of the Lib Dem podcast. Today we have a fantastic panel to discuss everything and everything to do with the Green Party, how we deal with them, do we deal with them, everything. So first of all, we'll start on seniority. And of course, that is Lisa Smart, who's been on the podcast longest. How are you doing, Lisa? Hi, John. Good to be here. Lisa is the deputy leader of Stockport Lib Dems. Next, we'll go to Neil. Neil Fosser, on his, his second appearance on the podcast, thank you very much for coming. He is a triple-hatted councillor down in Oxfordshire, also Leila Moran's chief of staff, and uh, all-round, he was top of the podcast most popular episodes for a very long time. Now, he's lost that perch due to uh, John Curtis, but welcome back on the podcast, Neil. Yeah, I'm happy to come second to John Curtis. <laughs> And, and returning to us is Hannah Kitchen, never knowingly shy of any opinions. We have Hannah Kitchen, who is the leader of the Barnsley Lib Dems. Welcome back, Hannah. Thanks for having me, John. Right. So let's let's get some of the facts straight away about the Green Party. Just a thing. So they have about 50,000 members. They have one MP, two members of the House of Lords, three members of the London Assembly, and 445 councillors. So in comparison to the Lib Dems, they are fairly small. To put it in, just in case um, people listening don't know, the Lib Dems have about 2,500 councillors, 12 MPs, I nearly said 11. Uh, and I'm trying to think, how many members of the House of Lords? Do anyone want to guess how many members of the House of Lords? 86. We have 86 members of the House of Lords. So we are a significantly larger party. But then lots of people want to talk about whether we should be doing some sort of deal or packs or working with uh, the Greens. I was just about to throw to Lisa, but she's just been interrupted. So what we will do first is we will go to Neil, because Neil, you have done work with the Greens locally. And I do know Leila Moran has done has also put things out there saying how well that has worked. So do you want to talk about a little about what kind of work you do with the Greens at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, the, the, I think the first point I would make is I think it is quite local. Um, in most of Oxfordshire, we find ourselves on the same side on nearly all the important local issues. And in fact, before we were working together in any kind of electoral sense, lots of individual Lib Dem councillors and campaigners and Greens were campaigning alongside each other on a lot of local issues. And I guess that's particularly around things like overdevelopment, lack of infrastructure, um, the climate change agenda locally. Um, and I think it's also important that the context is that we were fighting against conservative-run councils at county level and in four of the four of the districts. Um, and that context uh, led to a position where we started to work together in some local areas in the county. Um, and then to the Green Party making a local decision to not stand against Layla in the 2017 general election. So it sort of came in that context. And I think that's important. I'm, I'm not someone who would say we should be working with the Greens everywhere. Um, and I think one thing I've learned about the Green Party is that, that they are a very di disparate and very localised party themselves. So you might well get on fine with the Greens in, in one area 
five miles down the road, you might not get on with them at all. And I think that context is important. Uh, but what, what it has enabled us to do in Oxfordshire is helped us win, win power so that we can do things. Um, so we wouldn't uh, control jointly with them of South Oxfordshire Council in 2019. We won control of the Vale at the same time. And we've now just um, taken control of Oxfordshire with a Lib Dem leader uh, in Liz Leftman, who is absolutely excellent. Um, we're working with the Greens and, and then with Labour joining that alliance to form an administration. Um, so from our point of view at the moment, it's pretty positive, but it is based on very specific local circumstances. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect those circumstances to be replicated everywhere. Uh, Lisa, I was just about to bring you in and then, uh, then you, you ran off. But, and I suppose what, just picking up on what Neil said there is that the Greens are a mishmash of all sorts of different things at the moment. So some are, I mean, just up the M6 in Lancaster, Basically, there's the eco-socialist kind of Greens that have split away from Labour because they believe that Keir Starmer's a disaster. So you've got those that are kind of ex-Corbynistas to the more liberal Greens. So what's your approach to them, Lisa? I think all political parties are coalitions of people who can work together, share enough values that they feel that they can work together. And I think the Liberal Democrats uh, certainly are no different to that. The Greens have some have a range of people, and I'd agree with you, there are some people who are probably quite liberal who find themselves as Green Party members, and there are certainly a number who are definitely not liberal and who would sit more comfortably in a Corbynist Labour Party or even parties to the left of that. And I think Neil's point about it being different in different places is absolutely right. One of the challenges with that, where you have a lot of power with local parties, local Green Party associations, local parties, is that there isn't that consistency either of message or of approach. And so we saw in Unite to Remain, which was the work that went into uh, the 2019 general election about trying to maximise the number of Remain supporting MPs, where the Lib Dems, Plaid Cymru and the Greens worked out who was standing where to try and increase the chances of that happening. The results show it didn't really work, but a huge amount of effort went into it. Absolutely stacks of hours of really senior people's time in all of those parties. And the Greens were a nightmare to work with because there wasn't that central decision-making ability because local parties could take those decisions and then change their mind and change their mind back. And, so, and that just made working at a national level with them, as I understand it, I wasn't involved in it, but I have um, spoken to those who were, that made it really hard, really hard. Hannah, you have been quite a, a vocal critic of some people that push for progressive alliances across the board, but if it can work, should we do it? I think that, that my issue is not around certain areas, local arrangements. I mean, you know, Neil mentioned there that, you know, they run Oxford County Council in um, as an administration with the Greens and with Labour. Well, you know, those of us in the North of England have no intention of running any administrations with, you know, with, with, with Labour. And I don't think anyone would ever suggest that we do. The, the problem seems to be that I think more specifically with the Greens than with anyone else, a lot of people within the party seem to be taking those local arrangements and local setups that um, that work that work well 
and then expanding that out to something that everyone should do. Mm. And, and that, to me, you know, kind of goes against the, well, it's a local thing and it's, and it's, what, and it's what works well for us here. And I think my concern, particularly about um, the sort of pact and agreements that we've had with the Greens is that it is so number one it sort of assumes some ability to reciprocate so if we if we just drop back to unite to remain and and that kind of national agreement um you know let's be absolutely honest the greens are not going to win any parliamentary seats other than brighton pavilion they're just not you know i, I don't know why that is whether you know, they don't have the infrastructure they don't have but you know the Greens are not going to win any seats except for Brighton Pavilion. So therefore, you know, some of our candidates were for, were forced as, as, because when they stand down for us in certain places, yeah, it, it helps. Of course, of course, it does. You know, we, we know it's helped, Layla. It, it, I was in one of the Unite Remain seats where the Greens stepped down for me. They all emailed me vociferously to tell me that they would be voting Labour and and actually uh, to pressure me to stand down as well. So, and I know from from people who stood down in places like Bristol all that's done is it's massively undermined our local campaign teams and our ability, you know, our, our success at local level and our ability to win council seats. So that's that's kind of my issue with it, is that what works well in one place is getting blown up and, and, and blown out to something that we should be doing across the board. You know, I have my team here telling me we should consider stepping aside for the Greens. And I'm like, they don't don't have a single councillor. What, you know, why, why would we do that? Why would we give them a, why would we give them a platform? And, and that's, and that's the next thing is what these setups have done is they've empowered the Greens and they've, they've given them a platform and they want to use that platform to kill us. And to become the third party themselves. Hello, John from the Lib Dem podcast here. We are delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by Prater Reigns. Now more than ever, you need a professional looking online presence and website. Prater Reigns have been helping Liberal Democrat campaigns succeed for 18 years. Their Lib Dem foci package combines a website, social media and email system to help Lib Dems win. You'll receive great support from real people, fair pricing and a huge range of features to choose from. Prater Reigns are already the bespoke developers for Lighthouse, Lib Dem Draw Online and the LD Directory. They combine a talented system design with an unrivaled understanding of our party, our data and our systems. To find out more, check out the Prater Reigns website at praterains.co.uk slash liberal-democrats. We had lots of chats in the in the wake of Cheshire Amersham and Batley and Spen about how voters are intelligent enough to know actually what the deal is on the doors. They, we didn't need an electoral pact to win Cheshire and Amersham because voters knew what, what the score was. Do we also have to have, for, as a party point of view now, have a bit of thinking, well, our local parties know what the score is as well and actually some central diktat isn't going to work because actually it might be perfect in Oxfordshire. However, in Preston, it might be completely, the Greens might be some rabid loons that you can't work with. Is is that just the sensible approach we've got to take? Lisa? So I think, I, as a party, we take a very serious um, 
and strong support of evidence-based decision-making. So I think looking at the evidence of what works and the implications of what has happened, what we have done in places and how that plays out over the long term. So there's no denying, I think, that in the short term, some of these deals and arrangements, local teams feel they work. We can increase our number of Lib Dems. The Greens increase the number of green councillors. I'm not interested in there being more green councillors, just to be really clear. I'm interested in there being more Lib Dem councillors, more Lib Dem MPs. Um, and for some people, they're just being fewer Tories is enough. And that's, you know, that's up to them. But for me, I want more Lib Dems. I think looking at the evidence of what works and the shadow that that casts, so the long-term implications of, of there being a stronger local Green Party, I think we need to understand that better as a party. Because if you look at somewhere like, I don't know, Sheffield, where there is quite a strong Green Party now, and you look at where they are challenging and they're in administration at the, in the council level, with Labour, you look at, well, what, what does that say about us? What does that mean for us in some of the places where we should be the contenders? And I think our, so as somebody with a national party role, I think part of my job is to bring together some of that evidence and share it with local teams so that they can take decisions based on that evidence rather than just what, what they think based on chats they've had with different people. And I think we need to do a better job of sharing that evidence. Hannah, did you want to come in and then I'll bring in Neil? Yeah, I think um I think that Sheffield is a is a is a good example um that, that Lisa brings up there in that so obviously um uh, back in the late 2000s we we ran the Liberal Democrats ran Sheffield Council and some of the wards that we we currently hold with our councillors awards that we held at that time, so primarily the Sheffield Hallam wards. But then there are a number of wards um, kind of adjacent to that constituency, primarily in the Sheffield Central um, uh, constituency, that we that when we ran the council, we held those wards. They're now held by green councillors. And so what happened was while they were, you know, perhaps slightly more more labour leaning, and while we were weak in the coalition years, the Greens moved in and and put their roots down, and have have been impossible to, to move, and have. So what what's that? I mean, in to some ways, it's it's been good for for the Liberal Democrats in Sheffield because it's force them to expand into different seats and different areas. You know, we're really strong now in the north of Sheffield, um, building strength in the southeast as well. But that's that's the difficulty is that we're often, I guess, competing for the same voters. You know, we're 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 on we're on the same turf. And so as Lisa said, you know, if you just want a councillor who's either not Tory or not Labour, you'll vote Lib Dem, you'll vote Green, you'll vote Independent, you know, whatever. But if, if again, like me, you specifically want Liberal Democrat councillors and a Liberal Democrat administration, then, you know, having, having another party that's kind of a challenger to us is, you know, is, is one more party to have to beat. And, and that's what they've done in Sheffield. Um, the, and we've had a situation now in Sheffield where, as Neil says, you know, on, on those local issues, the Greens and the Lib Dems have always been together. They've been the opposition 
to Labour. And they've always, you know, they've always voted the same. They've supported each other's motions. You know, they've been, and there've been, you know, some differences of opinion, but um, I know like banning ice cream vans, for example, but, um, you know, the big stuff, particularly the big tree campaign, you know, the Greens and the Liberal Democrats worked together on that. Now what's happened, the council's been knocked into no overall control. The Green Party have propped up the failing Labour administration. Yeah. Neil, what are your thoughts? I mean, Hannah, Hannah's outlined the situation in Sheffield very, very well. The point I would make, though, is that none of that has happened because there was any local arrangement between the Lib Dems and the Greens. It happened for broader political yeah. reasons. Um, not, you know, primarily that in the 2000s, we did very well in Sheffield um, when issues like uh, the Iraq war and tuition fees were, were playing in our favour. And then we went into coalition with the Conservatives nationally and that made it a lot harder, incredibly hard for our campaigners <clears throat> in places like Sheffield Central. Um, so I, I, I take the point that, you know, in, in that circumstance, the Greens are very much a competitor and we, we need to develop a strategy um, to get to get back into the position of strength that we previously had. But I, I don't think that's a reflection on, um, you know, or, or at least the, the reason that's happened isn't because of Lib Dems working with Greens at local level Else, elsewhere, I'm I'm not, I'm not a big fan of how we approach the the Unite to Remain stuff at the, at the general election. Um, I think there was there was a good argument for it in the context of um, Brexit at that election, but uh, I've, all the comments others have made about how the negotiations went and how difficult it was um, in attempting to pin jelly to the wall um, were you know I completely agree with. And for me, uh, you know, looking towards the next general election, um, I don't think the sort of simplistic progressive alliance in the way that some people set it out, that you can just have the opposition parties effectively trying to hand each other's pile of votes to, other, to, to each other in particular seats, can never work. Um, primarily because um, and there are probably lots of seats where, you know, as, as Hannah has outlined, you know, the, the, the voters don't necessarily do what the parties ask them to do. So for me, um, it's more about, uh, you know, respecting the electorate, as we've seen in the recent by-elections, parliamentary by-elections, actually, you know, the electorate can be pretty good at working out which is the right party to vote for in particular local circumstances. And in Cheshire and Amersham, you know, we were the beneficiaries of that because we ran a very effective campaign to get that point across to people. Um, but at, at the same time, I, you know, where we do have common ground with other parties at a local level, I don't think it. I don't think there's any reason not not to work with them. And on, on the point about wanting to, you know, win Lib Dem seats, um, the situation we are in in Oxfordshire is that we definitely hold more seats at every level now than we would have done had we not had that partnership approach in recent rounds of elections with the Greens. But Lisa, I think, makes a very important point that you have to look at what the long-term impact of that is as well. Um, and we're very, very alive to that. It absolutely isn't sensible to have a short-term arrangement that might look like it's working if the long-term impact of that is that you, you actually um, put yourselves in a weaker position. So I do think we do have to always have a, a longer-term view as well. Um, here, I'm pretty confident that the arrangement is working well for both of us now and will continue to do so. 
Um, and frankly, we would not be in a position where we would where we would have a Liberal Democrat leader of Oxfordshire um, if we hadn't had that arrangement in place this this time. So I want to let you. I want to give an example of where my head's at, and I want to let you go. Well, basically, I'm just using you guys as free advice. So okay, so. If I take Preston, for example, there are no Greens at all elected. They do virtually diddly squat. They do a tiny leaflet in one polling district in one ward. So they really are at a low point. So some of the deliberations that we've had is that if we start talking about getting, because we, we, we go heavily on the environment in Preston, we are the, the party that pushes it more than any of the others. If we start talking about a Lib Dem Green partnership or something like that, we might get kudos in terms of people think, ah, that's the kind of politics we want to see. Well done, Lib Dems kind of thing. But if we say allow the Greens to have a go at some of the Labour urban areas that we haven't really touched, is the greater risk giving them a foothold? And that that is something that we have to kind of get in our heads is whether or not it's, it might be useful because, you know, Labour are rotten in Preston, and actually giving them something to fight or something extra to fight is very useful versus um, versus the issues that, you know, eventually, hopefully we want to be strong enough to be able to hit in Labour in those areas. So, Lisa? You, there are two points I want to pick up on what you said there. One was about policy and about we're really strong on the environment. I think that lots of people don't vote based on policy. Um, it's about message and it's about what it says about them, what it says about what they want for their area. And I would strongly expect most voters who vote Green don't actually know very many of their policies. Um, and I think just the Lib Dems having stronger policies is not, uh, we've got all the policy a political party could ever possibly need. Not enough policy is not our problem. Uh, the other thing you talked about was, uh, really, you talked about targeting, mm. about targeting our efforts where we can have the most impact. And yes, of course, you should do that. Every Lib Dem team of campaigners should do that. We should target our efforts where we can win or where we're building next time to win. And if that means city centre wards are not the best use of our effort, but might be a good use of the Green Party's effort, by all means, by all means, leave Labour and the Greens to fight it out there. Don't target any effort there. But that's different from saying not standing a candidate and encouraging the voters in that ward or doing something, um, anybody who wanted to vote for the Liberal Democrats because they believe in us, they want a Liberal Democrat councillor, they want Liberal Democrat values to be pushed forwards, not giving them that option I don't think feels right because I don't think like Neil was saying voters don't um, like sheep they don't just march into the pen that political parties would like them best to to march into and I think Batley and Spen was a great example of lots of people who think the non-Tory parties all fit into some kind of mushy progressive bucket that might be the case in some parts of the country it probably isn't in West Yorkshire I would argue um, and so, so lots of the people who voted Lib Dem in Batley and Spen, if there weren't Lib Dems on the ballot paper, I feel very strongly that they wouldn't have all voted Labour. I think they they absolutely, a decent chunk of them would have voted Conservative. I don't, I don't know how many, but a decent chunk of them. I think for me, 
you stand a candidate and then you decide where to target your resources as to where it makes the most sense. That's my view on it. Neil, when, when you did your partnership, did you have candidates everywhere or were there areas that you didn't have candidates? Um, there were some places we, we didn't feel candidates and there were quite a number of places the Greens didn't feel candidates against us. But it wasn't a uniform approach. And, and in fact, an important point I'd make, I think, it, although we're talking about Oxfordshire as a county, there were actually quite different approaches, even within the different bits of, of Oxfordshire, dependent on local circumstances and, and lo local personalities. What, what I would say, have it, being someone who looks at the, the detail of, of election results um, to a very fine extent, is you know, we would not have made as many gains as we did this year had it not been for that agreement. If, if we had seen a rising green vote um, in some of the seats we were targeting where we were fighting the Tories, that would have scuppered our chances. And, and, and I'm pretty sure that you know, the same applies to the two seats that the, the Greens gained from the Tories as well. Um, and I think that, you know, it comes down to, to balance, really. You've got, you've got to try and balance the different, um, different factors. Um, and in our case, on balance, uh, we've got a pretty clear view that working with the Greens in the way we have been here has resulted in a lot more Liberal Democrats councillors being elected, um, as well as you know, Layla's result being that bit stronger. Um, and also, we are then in a position to take power and, and change things, which is, you know, for anyone in local government knows, is incredibly difficult, whatever circumstances you're in locally. Um, but it's a lot easier to change things when you have the leader of the council and, and half the seats on the cabinet than when it's the Tories run, running everything. So um, it is, it, it's not as simple as um, the objective just being to have fewer Tories, although I do think that's a good uh, objective to have. Um, but in reality, both we and the Greens have, uh, are now stronger than we would have been, and the Tories are a lot weaker. Um, and I suppose, you know, without a crystal ball, I can't tell you what the long-term impact of that is going to be, but I can definitely tell you that it is better that we are now leading the council than, than, than having the Tories continue. Before Hannah comes in, I could tell she was, she, I could tell she was itching to come in. Uh, was it, are there any seats where Lib Dems are versus the Greens at the moment in, in your patch? Um, it is the case that in the, in Oxford City, which is at a city level is Labour run, um, the political dynamics are different and and the uh, extent to which we work with the Greens within the city area is much more limited. And that's uh, you know, partly as a result of the different political environment, partly different personalities uh, and, and, and so on. Um, but no, we're not we're not head to head. If, if effectively what happened was that by working together, we stretched the Tories uh, across. So they were having to defend uh, in a lot more places. And both of us benefited from that in, in the results. And, and the other point I pick up, and you, you, you referred to it yourself, is the message that we are working with the Greens goes down very well with people generally. It appeals to your sort of potential natural Lib Dem and Green voters, but it actually goes further than that. We were picking up you know, soft, moderate Conservative voters who were telling us on the doorstep that they liked the fact that, that we were working together. Uh, and again, I think that partly reflects the issues because it's it's because we're aligned on the issues that people are, are positive. And some of those issues, as we again, as we saw in Chesham and Amersham, 
appeal very much to the to those moderate conservatives who are pretty fed up with with the Boris Johnson approach to, to conservatism. Um, so again, you know, a lot of that is down to the local uh, con con contacts. But yeah, we, we've sort of got a mix mix of arrangements in place. Hannah, I think what I would um, feel cautious about um, in your situation, John, is um, is giving a currently irrelevant third party a foothold. Hmm. So it's you know I'm I'm group leader in a borough where you know we're not we're not realistically looking to take control what we're looking to do is build a a really strong opposition group because that's something that Barnsley hasn't had um you know the three conservative councillors uh, that are on the council don't provide any opposition they've got a nice cozy arrangement they always vote with the Labour whip um the independents as a general rule vote vote with Labour as well and so we've you know our kind of the platform that I was elected on and then the platform that we've continued to get more councils elected on is around providing opposition to Labour and what I don't want is other third parties coming in and also being an opposition to Labour because again, that's what's happened in that's what happened in Sheffield. You know, rather than Liberal Democrats being your only opposition option, people also started seeing the Green Party as being another opposition option, and um, and then, you know, I mean, if those in Sheffield, if those Green seats had stayed Labour, then Labour would still be in control. I mean, the status quo, really, isn't it? If, the, if some of those green seats had gone Liberal Democrats, the Liberal Democrats would be in control. Yeah. So that that split opposition can become a problem because it can undermine your message. Now, where the Greens, where the Greens emerge organically and, um, you know, as you know, as as we do, they, they sometimes find a, a seat with a really strong local issue Um you know, an enthusiastic local team of campaigners and, and they go for it and they start getting themselves elected, um, you know, fair play to them. That's what that's what we do. So where, where the Greens are emerging organically, then, you know, then you might want to start having conversations about, you know, what, what do we want to go at each other or do we, you know... Well, you, can not... see, you can see the, you can see the attraction from... Again, this we have made a sort of decision. I, I kind of use Preston just as a guy. There'll be there'll be loads of places like Preston where the Greens yeah. are nowhere. You can see the attraction is we could get a whole load of positive coverage, particularly with what Neil was saying with soft Tories, Labour voters we struggle to squeeze, etc. For at the moment, very little negativity by just aligning ourselves. But you're saying it's probably that your view would be don't force it. Let if the Greens are going to come, let them do it on their own. But don't help them. You know, all, all you're doing is you're you're giving them a platform, giving them a foothold to to beat you in in the future. You know, that's what that's where that's where the Greens have benefited from these. You know, because Oxford isn't. You know, we're not picking on Neil. So Oxford is not the only place that you know that's, that's done this. Um, I know Kingston, Richmond have all, have all had arrangements as well, and lots of other places. I'm sure that I'm not aware of. You know, I know speaking to a colleague in, in Richmond, you know, the Greens were effectively given a, a piggyback 
to get elected. So they piggybacked onto the Liberal Democrat campaign to get elected. I think in a set of, someone might correct me on this, but my understanding is that in a set of all ups, rather than standing three candidates in each ward, we stood three, two, two Lib Dems and a yeah. Green. Yeah, it was the 2018 um, borough elections in, in Richmond. Yeah. Uh, and my, I'm not privy to all the detail, but my understanding is that it was an arrangement that links back to the previous general election. Yes. And we, the Greens were on our campaign literature. You know, it, it, was, it was a real, I guess, a team effort, which did result in the Liberal Democrats running the Borough Council. What happened then was the Greens started being the opposition to the Liberal Democrats on, on the council. So you've given these people a, a leg up, you've given them a foothold. All you're potentially doing is giving them power to then to then turn against you and, and throw back in your face. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to put myself in that. I think that makes you more vulnerable then both as an opposition group and as and for your electoral prospects and you know personally I wouldn't want to put myself in that situation and And just so viewers know just so viewers know we actually have the leader Gareth Roberts the Lib Dem leader of uh, Richmond Council coming on the podcast next week so and he along with their campaign organizer Alice so this will will just lies that I've just said then and if it is <laughs> yeah I was gonna say they can tell you what actually happened so as as you know I have spent parts of my career advising uh other local parties my starting point is the same that Hannah is starting from um that would my usual advice to any local party would be to you know that the primary job is to build up the Liberal Democrats to start targeting seats and winning Lisa you want to come in and then we all start gibbering on mainly me in Stockport, the people of Reddish South voted for their the first Green councillor this year. So it's been Labour since time began. And the Greens ran a proper campaign on local issues. And the mm. Labour Party said they didn't see them coming. Mm. At the count, when the deputy leader said to one of my colleagues, well, they did five leaflets, but we didn't see them coming. Um, my colleague said, well, that, that was your hint, really. That was the hint that something was going on. By the time they got to the fourth... Anyway, um, they emerged organically using Hannah's phrasing there. So we had absolutely nothing to do with that um, green victory. It's not an area that we have targeted particularly. It it has been a solid Labour majority for a very long time and the Greens ran a a proper campaign in an area where, bluntly, Labour took it for granted and just expected to turn up and, and get the votes without putting the effort in. Um, the individual who is now a Green councillor is perfectly pleasant and we agree on a number of the issues um, that are facing Stockport at the moment and I suspect over the course of the next year we'll work together on issues as you do with councillors sometimes cross-party as whether he was a Green councillor or, or not. One thing I'd say John is that at the moment the Greens aren't relevant in Preston electorally and by making them relevant I think that has implications. So if your actions lead to some Greens being elected, that means the bar charts that other parties use of the number of councillors will have Greens on it. So, you know, when they try and squeeze us because we might be the third party and they're going, no, no, it's don't vote for them. They're not relevant. If the Greens end up on the same number as we do, 
that sends a message about us that we're not relevant, the Greens are, that's something to think about. Another example before I stop talking is there's a by-election going on where we're fighting a council by-election in Kent, and I can't remember exactly where it is at the moment, but the Greens are putting out a bar chart from a neighbouring ward where we stood down, so there is no Lib Dem on the bar chart, and they are using that to try and squeeze us in this current election where we're fighting to win. So I think there are implications always with these decisions that run more broadly than, than the actual elections we're thinking about. Things run, things have bigger implications than we might first expect. Oh, don't you just hate political parties and bar charts, honestly? What are these people like? Hannah? Yeah, and I think it's I think it's just worth as well just considering um just the national picture as well. And the fact that you know, as as the Greens are gaining in strength at, at local council level, I mean, as you say, you know, they've still got a, a fraction of the number of councillors that that we or, or the other two parties have. Um, but you know, they have without a doubt made a considerable number of gains o- over the last few years, often but not exclusively, uh, assisted by um, deals with us. And if you if you look then at some of the the, the press and the coverage that the leadership comes out with about us. Um, was it the general election? They just basically ran a Lib Dem attack campaign. It wasn't the general, was it the locals? Anyway, you know, they're not averse to a good, you know, direct Lib Dem attack campaign. Um, I know the leadership said they're looking to replace us as, as the third party. Um, how they'll do that when they can't win a single parliamentary seat, I don't know. Um, and and also, you know, reference back to the behaviour of the Greens in the Shesham and Amersham by-election, which was um, decidedly unfriendly and decidedly unhelpful. Um, you know, Neil's smiling there, he perhaps has a little bit of insight. They, you know, my understanding is that the Greens thought they, they could win and were campaigning quite firmly on a, we can, we can win here, we can beat the Tories platform and I suspect as I think the green vote held pretty I mean it was it was small wasn't it but it went it, down I think it went down a couple of percentage points you know I suspect what they found on doors was that people were either voting conservative or they were voting liberal democrat because that's how people found and as those you know as those findings went on they they got really kind of angrier and angrier with us um so I think that I think that just has to be considered as well. You know, we are fundamentally we're all political parties, and you know, we are all ultimately rivals. You know, local administrations and local agreements and agreements on issues and policies aside, you know, it's it's a dirty game, is politics, and and fundamentally, everyone everyone wants to win. Everyone wants the most seats at, at, at the end of it. Can, can we just take the Lib Dems out of the equation for a little bit? So let's just talk about why, I mean, do we think the Greens are still going to grow? And going back to my very first thing, are they, are they a threat or whatever? Are they now just a natural protest party, similar to us pre-2010? I mean, Lisa's probably got some idea. If you look at green policies, are they, is it the fact that no one knows what a green policy is? Could I mean, I... I could struggle to name you much of their policies from their manifesto in 2019. Lisa, I mean, is that part of the problem? They just get they get a free ride, really. 
think for lots of people, they are the none of the above and not racist option. <laughs> and there aren't always lots of those on the ballot paper. So pre-2010, John, you're absolutely right. We performed that function for, for some groups of voters. The Greens do it now. And I think they're seen as the soft, cuddly, inoffensive, anti-establishment kind of vote for some people. Some of their policies... I think are well, certainly interesting. And I, I would imagine lots of people wouldn't be able to name very many of them. So we, we agree with them on some stuff. They're pro-PR. Um, they think climate change is a huge threat facing our entire world. We're so far so good, right? They also want to close all women's prisons. So send no women to prison regardless of the crime that person commits. I think that's I would struggle to support that um, as, as, as a liberal who thinks our criminal justice system just doesn't work and needs needs radical reform. I think that's a bit far even for me. I think there are things that they believe it. I've, I've been at debates. Um, so I've stood for parliament a few times. I've been at um, hustings and one of the green candidates basically wanted to take us all back to weaving our own cloth. You know, that, that was the sort of approach they had in terms of how we need to rewild our planet. So I think that there are different views. Some of their policies, I think if people actually knew about them, they would struggle to support them. But as we said, lots of people aren't voting based on policy. So what does the future hold then? I mean, is the future for the Greens, do we think they are gonna grow? I mean, we'll go to Hannah and we'll let Neil have the last word on this. So from your point of view, Hannah, where do you think the Greens go from here? I, I think they will I think they'll continue to make small gains at, at councillor numbers. Um never enough to run an administration without our assistance. I think they will not win any more MPs other than other than Caroline Lucas. Um and I, I, I mean to be honest, it's a good job that they'll probably never end up running a council because I think everyone knows what happened when they when they did actually manage to run Brighton Council. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it didn't go very well uh, at all, particularly for the recycling rates in, in Brighton. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think they'll, I think they'll keep on, I think they'll keep on, you know, carrying on because I think, I think, I think the, the thing that the Greens have that we perhaps don't is, is people think they know what they stand for. So if, you know, green issues, climate change issues are so, so important to, you know, to so many people now, massively important to some Liberal Democrats, massively important to, you know, to chunks of you more kind of left-leaning, Labour-leaning voters. Um, I think it's, you know, I think they probably matter to some soft Tories as well, you know. And and pe so people think that when you've got a massive climate emergency that you feel so powerless in tackling voting green is it's just like a, a little a little thing that you can that you can do you know to, to make yourself feel feel better about that and and I think people think well if only the green if only there were more greens if there were more greens in charge councillors councils MPs we wouldn't be facing this this climate emergency um which obviously isn't isn't true for a, a whole myriad of of, of reasons, um, but one of the things we we say here a lot is there's no point trying to outgreen the greens. So 
I think sometimes people, when they're trying to take the greens on, you know, want to prove that we're better at all of the environment stuff, which we are. Actually, I think our policies are just as good, if not better. And we have a track record of delivering on those policies, both at local government level and also at national government level. When Ed Davey was Secretary of State uh, for the Environment, he, you know, he made some decisions that really made an impact on that. So you know, there's there's no point trying to, we don't need to beef up our green credentials in order to out-green them. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, I think that creates a bit of a dilemma for people about still feeling okay about voting for a party that perhaps is less, they don't think is necessarily associated with trying to protect the environment. And, and, and I generally wonder, I mean, the Greens got a, a second seat in Lancashire, and at which point the, the it was in Burnley, and the Labour, sitting Labour candidate, councillor, sorry, went from obviously holding the seat to fourth. Um, so the, he got he got overtaken by the Greens, the Tories, and the Burnley Independents. So obviously that, and I do wonder if the biggest threat the Greens actually hold is to Labour rather than the Lib Dems. And I wonder if... Uh, the Greens versus Labour is actually going to be where the ugliness will start to arrive on that side of politics. But Neil, you can have the final word. What do you think is the the future of the Green Party? Or because you're probably most closely uh, speaking to them. <laughs> yeah, I do know a few of them now. Um, I, I mean, it's always difficult to, to predict what's going to happen happen in politics. So historically, the trend probably over the last thirty years has been that. The Greens tend to do slightly better in the national polls when we are doing less well, um, and I think um, I think there is a, there is a link there to to an extent, and I, I think there's quite a lot of polling evidence for this. To a large extent, we're we're looking at the same pool of voters, um, and that can you know can lead you to the conclusion that you know our job is to squash them so we win all of that pool of voters, or you can say well, actually you make arrangements so that you both benefit. Uh, at a local level, um, fr- from being able to you know, make it easier for each other to win that pool of voters in particular seats, um, I suspect that with the you know, genuine growing concern about climate change, which is probably going to get steadily more and more acute, um, un- unless the idiots are right and, and all the scientists are wrong, um, you know, my guess is there will be a section of the electorate who, for whom the Green Party will be the default option simply because they think climate change is a massive issue and, the, and they associate that with the Green Party. Um, as, as others have said, that's not necessarily uh, the whole of the Green Party platform and people don't, don't always vote on the detail. I think the challenge for us is, is a, is a sim- simpler one of, you know, how do we become more relevant in more places mm-hmm. and how do we build? Um, because although it is the case that the Greens are probably winning seats in some areas where we could theoretically win uh, if we were campaigning in those places with, with with the right strength of campaign. I'm less convinced that they're, they're actually winning lots of places that we would otherwise be, be winning because I don't think we're directly competing with them in a lot of places. And I think the point you made about them against Labour is, is a very interesting one because it's an interesting mix of seats where they are winning. In some places, they're winning in rural Tory areas. Um, and in other places, they're winning in very traditionally Labour urban areas. And I think that probably also says something about the general fluidity in politics as well, that 
a lot more people nowadays are open to switching their vote in a particular election for, for particular reasons. Uh, to an extent, that's how we've always won at local level where we have won, and we just need to do a lot more of it and build, build our strength uh, in more places. But I think they're doing the same thing. It's just a bit easier for them because they are seen as, as nice and cuddly in a way that we are probably not quite so much nowadays. So I think they'll be there and we need to you know, work out how we accommodate that. Um, but I don't think they're the main thing we should worry about. I think you know, we, primarily we need to get ourselves sorted out, get our messaging sharper uh, and build our organisation in more places. That will result in us winning more seats. And I was I was literally just about to make the exact same point. If maybe some Lib Dems spent more of their energies winning Lib Dem seats instead of worrying about what other parties are doing, we might have greater success in more places. But no, thank you to Neil, to Lisa and to Hannah for coming on and talking about it. I that was really interesting. Any of our listeners and viewers who are watching or listening as a podcast, do let us know what do you think? Has this convinced you either way? How would you approach the Greens if you were to approach them in your local party? Do you think they're just a distraction? And actually, we need to just crack on and be more liberal and just try and make our areas more liberal. So thank you so much to everyone for watching and listening. Thank you to everyone who subscribes to us on the Patreon account. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so so much because it really helps us keep the podcast going do follow everything to do with the podcaster at libdem pod they say you can watch us on youtube and on facebook and you can listen to us on wherever you get your podcast from so thank you again to hannah lisa and neil we'll be back with another episode very soon and thank you very much for watching